in my head, I knew she said quinoa, but for some reason to me, I didn't think it was spelled the way it was. And so I saw it on thing and I was like, what's Kona? For some reason, <laughs> I thought it was Kona. But I saw like the Q or something. I was like, what? Kona? What, what is it? And she was like, that's quinoa. I was like, yeah, the quinoa cafe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you'd think I'd be mad, but I love hearing about this. So, hello everybody. Welcome. Welcome to the Tasteful Dudes podcast and live stream, because you can see us. Uh, This is a special episode. My name is Tim Fluffybeard. Along with me is uh, Nicholas Q11s, the person down there, if you're watching it live. And we have a special guest. Introduce yourself. My name is Micah. I do a YouTube channel called World of Micah. And I'm um, stoked to be here and hanging out with you guys, some tasteful dudes. That's right, the the most with the most luscious mustaches of any podcast. Yeah, there's some mustaches going on. I've been yeah. growing this since the quarantine. Yeah, and, I, I uh, saw I, I saw that I'm not the only one that got a uh, got a home haircut. Oh yeah, I did it myself. Just gave myself a good old mullet, dude. Nice. I, nice. I just I got tired of it hanging off the side. And I didn't want to cl- cl- uh, trim the length. So yeah. I just shaved. I literally just like you can see it. Like I just shaved the sides. It's very uh, yeah. It's very like like '94 California punk. I like yeah. It. That's it. Because yeah. I wear a backwards it's... hat almost every day of my life. <laughs> low maintenance, just low maintenance. That's yeah, that's well, it, that's man. why I did. But I did the I did the back as well. So I just got I just got the big fluke now. Yeah. What can you do? I mean, you you know, if you're in my case, you wear a hat almost every day. And there's a reason why, because I don't like to fix my hair unless I have to. <laughs> there you go. Well, I, I've I mean, had... That's what my I've I've gone to just wearing hats now because I don't know how to do my hair anymore because it's so freaking long. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I've had the same hat for 14 years, I think. <laughs> yeah, excuse <laughs> me if that's rude to sip. Oh, OK, you're I'm not the only one sipping. Yeah, it. no. No, I I'm only allowed to do this because it's a uh, it's a, a special Disney. One. Nice. So, yeah, I I missed out on the um, brought to you by the color yellow. There you go. I'll I missed out on the uh, the special figment one. There you go. There you go. Yeah. I, I was feeling Disney myself. So, but I, I missed out on the the special figment one while I was there back in March, and uh, so I got I got this one with um. Is it Spike? Is that his name? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Spike Bumblebee. He used to antagonize Donald. Oh, he's that. Now, is it the same? It's Spike, the one that's in the new um, the Mickey short where Minnie's trying to do the portrait of Mickey. I don't know. It looks it looks damn near like him. It might be him. I know, yeah. like with this last uh, flower and garden, they were trying to um, or food and wine. Not knowing a flower garden, uh, they were trying to incorporate Spike with a lot of stuff because they were trying to bring him bring him back. Dude, we did that together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember I was that. in your video. Like I completely was, forgot about that. Yeah, because I think we did find all the uh, all the spikes, or mm-hmm. we found all the spikes in the in the world showcase. There were a few over in the future world, or what's what what was left of it. Yep. Um, yeah. Nick, well, you have to Nick, you have to interject because we will talk Disney the whole time. No, and and that's what I was actually just gonna, um, you know, I'm I'm just gonna sit here and peel my orange while you <laughs> talk Disney. Uh, but no, I was actually wondering so. We know this podcast is familiar with uh, Timothy. We know you're totally the the angle you take in your Disney fandom. It's totally about the parks. Yeah, is yeah, really. You, Micah, is it is it the parks 
mostly for your Disney fandom or are you into animation too or a little bit of everything I'm more into like just the idea of Walt and his men and the Imagineers and the guys who literally they would wake up and they had this boss who was like hey I want to make an attraction about pirates make it happen I'll see you in a couple of days and so these guys just sat there and just thought of all these ideas and you know put it down on paper and sketch stuff and you know p- brought things into fruition and now it's like can you imagine a world without pirates of the caribbean it's almost difficult to think about a world without pirates or mickey mouse even you know so my whole fascination is like walt was the ultimate doer <laughs> um became obsessed with him as a young kid um and uh yeah it's mostly the parks um i love the music in the parks um, cause that's a whole, you know, a side note. I mean, there's just this whole side world of theme park music everywhere you go in a Disney park, there's music. Someone orchestrated yeah. that. Someone wrote that. Someone recorded that. Some of it has been there since before the parks were even, a, you know, a thought. Some of that music has been written and stuff they use, especially on main street and stuff, but it's just, it's timeless. It's so crazy to me at that company does everything is timeless. Yeah, so, well, especially I, I think of the uh, the the transition music, the the music yeah. that you hear when you're going from one scene to another one one. Well, it really is a scene, but one right. area to another, and you just it's like you said, it's seamless. That it's it's just so. When I think of, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm getting shouted out by. I love the dog. <laughs> but when, when I think of it, that's cool. that's what I think is is like uh that whole feeling of being in disney you know it's it's before it's even before like when you go into uh on the main street usa even before you get to see the castle you feel the music and just the starts at the ttc if you're at walt disney world you know uh, it's a sensory experience uh, just all very much so and um you know we uh watched the imagineer show that was on disney plus because as as you watchers of uh, this probably know, uh, I took quite a lot of exception to Disney Plus's early catalog and how there was almost nothing ex- like in terms of originals. Uh, so we watched all the original content just about. Uh, Imagineering, the Imagineering um, show was definitely one of them. And to see those early animatronics that go into Pirates of the Caribbean, man, were they creepy uh, and I don't know how it got done, uh, but dang, am I glad? Um, I'm, am I glad for early Disney World? And I've told Tim this before, but like early, um, like it's really it's hard to describe uh, the concept. But what people in the past thought the future was going to be, that kind of aesthetic that you saw in Futureland, yeah, is the aesthetic I want to live in every day. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I, very I, like I, mid-century modern with a twist. Um, you know, when Tomorrowland first opened in Disneyland, it was in that that Tomorrowland was supposed to be set in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, and Walt really did believe he was going to have what is here in Central Florida. What what turned into Celebration um, was supposed to be his Epcot. You know, and Epcot was not supposed to be just a theme park. It was supposed to be this literally community of tomorrow, where he was going to have his cast members live. You know, they were going to coexist together in this future world, this tomorrow land um, ride to work on a people mover. They were going to have 
uh, monorails, you know, lots of um, very simple living, but very futuristic living. It was almost like pod living too. If you look at some of the sketches of the houses and everything. And um, obviously it never came to fruition um, because of his passing and everything. But yeah, it's, it's really cool to see like anybody who ever like wants to know why Disney has a certain look. There's a man named Mark Davis, who's an Imagineer. He sketched a lot of Disney characters that people know, Cruella DeVille, um, Maleficent, but he is like the main reason why some of those animatronics have like elongated noses and droopy eyes and big eyelids and the mouth are like this. You know, they're all very Disney. And a lot of those animatronics are reused in different attractions too. So that's why it's all familiar too. They'll they'll take a face of this guy and put a different wig on him, and that's John Adams. Or you know, it's like it's so weird how they'll do different things. Um, you know, you can go through Epcot and ride Spaceship Earth and see several different Disney characters, you know, Jim knows. Um, the, the one, yeah. uh, the one I always point out is, uh, Lyndon Baines Johnson is the, uh, in Egypt. He's the, yeah. the, the sort of, uh, the, well, the, the father, guy behind. Yeah. Father yeah. And daughter from uh, carousel progress is also in there. They're playing the music in the Renaissance era of spaceship yeah. earth. Um, but yeah, Mark Davis is like, see, that was the one thing that got me into Disney too, was going back to that Grishel question was finding out who these guys were because I thought as a kid, I'm sure everybody did. I thought it was all Walt Disney. Like I yeah. thought he was like the master of everything. He's like, Oh yeah, I drew the whole 101 Dalmatians. Yeah. I thought he did everything. Like I thought he literally drew and created everything. And then when I started going to the public library before the internet <laughs> um, and finding these old Disney books, and just talk, you know, talking about Disney and stuff, and then a TV show called The Wonderful World of Disney, um, or Walt Disney Presents, there's so many different names, um, would come on, and I would watch reruns of that, excuse me, I would watch reruns on the Disney Channel at night called Vault Disney with a V, and Vault Disney showed old reruns of Spin and Marty, the original Mickey Mouse Club, oh, wow. and um, they would show Walt Disney Presents, and it was always Walt is your host and he would take you into the Disney archives area and the Disney imaginary wed. Um, and he would show like, this is what we're working on at the Disney studio this week. And it was always something just so crazy and amazing. And, you know, you got to see all these people and you would hear these names like Claude Coates and Raleigh Crump. And you would hear all these names. And uh, so I would hear those names. And I remember, I would think, remember those names and I would go and I would look in the library and I would find stuff you know, that had their name in it. And I would just find out who these people were. And um, it's really cool to uh, go into someplace like Walt Disney World or Disneyland or any of the Disney parks and to see something and you're like, huh, that looks just like something Claude Coates would work on. You know, and I would look it up. Now you have Google, you know, I Google and I'm like, sure enough. Yeah, Claude Coates worked on that. That's amazing. And you can kind of see these guys have different personalities and different niches in their artistic ways so like it's cool to see how it's not just walt you know people Mm -hmm. there are other guys walt's men who are just as important as him um, because without them we wouldn't have you know some of the things that we love and cherish today and there wouldn't be that feeling too like you said the Tomorrowland that you love there was a guy who was sitting there and his job was to design that you know and that's that stuff's just amazing to me yeah and just predict what was going to happen in the future. That was the, you know, the thing was too, though, Walt was working with some really important men who kind of had, you know, companies and stuff. 
Um, you know, and they kind of had the upper hand on some of the stuff that was actually going to happen. So, yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, we don't have people movers and stuff, but we have moving sidewalks mm-hmm. at the airport. Yep. <laughs> we have yeah. monorails outside the Disney park. I mean, there exactly. are so many things. Well, and they have those, um, uh, back at, uh, I forget when it actually closed, but in Disneyland, they had the, um, was it DuPont or it was a paint company that had that house. So they had that oh, the sort house of house. Yeah. That was just trying out new stuff. And then it, it just, unfortunately they couldn't keep up, couldn't keep up. Right. And Same with it, Epcot. You know, it was that, that now is like the Tinkerbell area where the uh, fairies live, but you mm. can go over and see where the house used to be, but they had like push a button and like your um, a cabinet would come down with all your dishes, you know, and they had, the, uh, uh, what's the, Oh, um, the Dymaxion home by uh, Buckminster Fuller. Who, who yeah. sort of, I mean, who had that? Uh, he he came up with like geodesic living and all that. So I used to have a place here. Um, what was it called? It starts with an X. The House of the Future it started with an X. It was one of my first videos oh, wow. I ever did. Um, continue talking. I'm going to look this up because it's going <laughs> to bother me to no end. Yeah. Um, well, that, that's when I. Um, and sort of sidebar, uh, when I was doing a, I did an internship way back uh, about seven, seven, eight years ago, um, with the Dawes Arboretum. It's a little arboretum over west of Col- or east of Columbus, and they actually had uh, a bunch of trees that all these people would come in and they would they would donate a tree. And one of them was Buckminster Fuller, and he was a he was a weird dude, but he was just this designer that, and he did all like the, you know, I can, you know, I can, you know, sleep for only two hours a night and he did it and, and do just crazy ideas about living. Um, but yeah, he, he made the Dymaxion home, which is one of those homes of the future. I think there's one up in the, um, uh, the Henry Ford, but he also came up with the idea for the, uh, the geodesic sphere. And, um, there's one that's, is it Montreal? Maybe they have that huge geodesic sphere for one of the, um, uh, like Pan American expositions or one of those expositions in like the sixties. That's awesome. Yeah. The place is called Xanadu. Xanadu. Okay. Yeah. There was a guy who did a few of those around and they built it here on highway 192 West Memorial Bronson. And it's legit like a mile and a half from Epcot and they built it in the eighties. So you got to think Epcot hit 1982 and you're telling me you have the house of the future right next to Epcot. Not many people are going to go to the house of the future. They're going to Epcot. (laughs) Yeah. Same thing happened on the same road at a place. I just did a video on called jungle land zoo and they had like safaris and they had all these animals, exotic animals and stuff. And they opened in like 95 and then 93, eight animal kingdom opens oh, right down the street. So it's uh, like all these places on 192 just could not catch a break, you know, but that's, you know, that's also the price you can pay from opening a business. That's on the same road that leads into Walt Disney world. I wouldn't do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, without further ado, I don't mean to change the subject. No, no. I know if I don't stop it now, we'll go all night. Yeah. Oh yeah, the knowledge the in your head Disney dudes. Crazy. Yeah, <laughs> uh, which we could do. Uh, we'd have it. The pun would not be as funny, I don't think. Uh, but um, either way, uh, let's get talking about food. Um, what have we been eating lately? 
What's our relationship with food? There's no judgment or wrong answers here, by the way. So, uh, Tim, do you want to start us off? Yeah. So um, we actually just got uh, we got back into Yellowbird, uh, the um, the CS uh, whatever it's called, the um, food box thing. Uh, mm-hmm. So we got into Yellowbird. So we're getting a lot of greens. A lot. Of, we actually got uh, we got ramps, which are these little wild kind of onion things that grow all around the Appalachians and probably other areas, but all in the forested areas, you'll see them around spring. Um, in fact, I think in uh, West Virginia, they have a ramps festival. So, and they, so they this ramp queen. So is this just produce coming to your house? Or? It's, it's a lot of, pro, it's mostly produce or the um, meals. Okay. You can get, um, you can get meat and all that other stuff. We have some friends that uh, have a, we have friends that have family that have, have a farm that, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, have a farm up in Youngstown uh, that will occasionally get meat and stuff like that. But uh, so we've been doing more uh, meals with with that. Um, we made uh, buffalo chicken quinoa last night. Ooh, so that was pretty good. Yeah, and, my first time having quinoa was at Disney. What's up? <laughs> What's up? I said my first time having quinoa was at Disney. Ah, me and my brother were just having a conversation literally earlier today about. Uh, how old were you when you learned it was pronounced quinoa and not quinoa? And yeah, embarrass yourself the first time you tried to say it, or did you have somebody else? Did you hear it for the first time? Well, my wife now, she was my girlfriend at the time. We were there, we were eating at um, the sub buffet at uh, Animal Kingdom and over in the African Pavilion area. And um, I walked up and I was like, in my head, I knew she said quinoa. But for some reason to me, I didn't think it was spelled the way it was. And so I saw it on thing and I was like, what's Kona? For some reason, <laughs> I thought it was Kona. And I saw like the Q or something. I was like, what? what, what is it? And she was like, that's quinoa. I was like, yeah, the quinoa cafe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, cool. Never heard of it. Yeah. I, but, uh, I, the first time I learned uh, quinoa was pronounced quinoa, it was through. Uh, a group of friends singling out and making fun of somebody else in the group that didn't know how to say it. And, and I didn't want to out myself in that moment. So I just laughed along with them with the other guy for not knowing. <laughs> yeah, oh, I learned know. a lot um, by dating a vegetarian. Uh, my, yeah. my wife now, she's been a vegetarian for years. Okay. Well, now she eats, she eats chicken and some fish um, and stuff like that. But when I first, uh, started dating her and stuff she was like introduced me to tofu and all kinds of stuff now, i'm you know originally from mississippi and it's like either you eat meat or meat and <laughs> you know so i was being introduced to all this the only stuff. sides yeah <laughs> yeah but you know i learned how to eat a lot of cool stuff i mean you know quinoa was one of them um eggplant um all kinds of really stuff good. um we had the uh what is that jackfruit um i had yeah, barbecue right. jackfruit um, not too long like ago. Well, I had real barbecue. I had real pulled pork and she had the jackfruit version and I just took a bite and didn't really think too much of it and just grabbed it. And I was like, did they give you the wrong thing? You know, and I like took it out of it. And I was yeah. like, that's amazing. I mean, like you cook it the way they prepared it and the barbecue sauce yeah. and everything. Like oh, dang. it's pretty cool. And I've had the impossible burger. I've had all that stuff. So, I mean, I could be a vegetarian if I wanted to. It's just, I had the Beyond Meat Burger, um, which I'm assuming is pretty much the same thing as the Impossible Burger. Yeah. 
I don't know if I got the wrong thing, but mine's tasted like a bite full of chemicals. Ooh. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was like, um, so I'm, I'm willing to give it another try because people keep saying like, this is really good. Dude, um, you bought the chemical burger. That's completely different. Is that what I did? Yeah. yeah. yeah you, you bought, you bought Chem- a jar full of chemicals. Just went down to the quarry and yeah. <laughs> started shouting for the, the it's the jelly discs that, that are, uh, sort of, they look like a rainbow when you when you shine a light on them. I'll try. I'll try harder next time. <laughs> I learned though, going to if you try the Impossible Burger, like at Burger King, is the easiest way to try it. Okay. Um, when they originally did it, they were doing it on the same grill as the regular meat, so it technically had the same juice and fat and other stuff from it. Yeah. And people called them out, so now they like microwave it or whatever. Um, mm. They don't throw it on the grill and. They don't serve it with cheese, which makes it vegan. But if you get it with cheese, ask for cheese and lettuce, tomato, mayonnaise, all that kind of stuff. If you dress it up like a normal burger, really can't tell. Like, honestly, yeah. you can't really tell. But the first time I had it, it was like, this is insanely good. Well, they were cooking it with the other meats. Right, yeah. But, meat. yeah, the second time I had it, I didn't ask for cheese. And it is weird without cheese. I'll just say that. It's weird. I, I, I mean, like I like any burger without cheese. Yeah, you got to have cheese. That's... Like, would you order a hamburger or a cheeseburger? Uh, right. Well, I'll have a hamburger yeah, with cheese. Burger, of course. Yeah. <laughs> you know, some of the first burgers were made. They didn't figure out the cheese bit for like embarrassingly long, a long time. Dark times. Yeah. Wow. Mustard, pickles, and a burger with some breadcrumbs in it to make the meat stretch a little bit longer. Wow, I didn't know. I, that. Know, I, I put breadcrumbs in my meatloaf though. Yeah. Well, this was specifically like loaded with breadcrumbs because they like times were tough. Oh. And they, they like they didn't want to run out of beef too quickly. So they, I want to know who the first person. Like, my brother and I always talk about this. We're like, who was the dude who sat there, killed this animal, took the meat, put it on open flame, and was like, "All right, it's cooked enough, or it won't kill me or make me sick." Like, what was the trial and error? Yeah, you know? there's got to be a lot of trial and error. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it didn't start with them trying to combine it with fire. I'm sure it just went straight to the mouth. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, who is this dude? And then also, like, my brother was like, I want to know who the guy was who milked a cow first and was like, take a sip. Yeah. <laughs> is it, you know, when people say it like that, I don't, I see the advantages of vegetarianism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's weird, yeah, dude. It's weird. context out of it, and you know, even as these these animals a little bit more, it's weird. It's really weird. I look, dude. I mean, if I, I'm more easier. Like, if someone's like, you're in a desperate situation, what are you gonna eat? I'll find a vegetable, like, and I'll try and eat a vegetable way faster than I would try and find any kind of meat product or something. Because with meat, you know, it's like, how long has it been sitting there? Is it fresh? Is it, where did it come from with vegetables? It's like, whatever, either I'm going to, it's, you know, it's going to be pretty obvious. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like vegetables really like, I don't know. Unless they're gone bad. I don't know about either of your histories with this, but um, when I was growing up uh, my dad and my dad's family, avid hunters, um, and so I was, I've tried it. Um, yeah. uh, I've never like the concept to me, you know, seemed pretty straightforward at the time, but when the 
task that you don't really think about until you start learning it, which is field dressing, uh, started being presented. I was like, we do, we do what? I thought like our, our job is pretty much over, you know? And so, yeah, that's when I realized, mm, maybe this thing isn't for me because yeah, I probably could go all the way up to that. But then having to like literally gut it in a field, that's, uh, that's where I probably would draw the line. Of course, I never grew up on a farm or nothing. So, yeah, I didn't grow up on a farm or anything like that. But I, you know, my family has a lot of property in Mississippi. It could be a farm. Um, and my grandmother actually did have a um, vegetable garden as a kid. Tell you what, man, the best green beans you'll ever have is just walking down that garden and just picking them off. Don't even clean it, just eat it. You get the dust, you get the dirt, you get all the stuff in it. It's great. As a kid, I loved it. Those are the best tasting green beans ever. Uncooked, unwashed, just, I don't know, for some reason, man. It's right just, out of the ground. Yep, right out of the ground. Um, but, yeah, my, my grandfather hunted, and my uncle and my cousins, they still hunt. But they do it for food, and I'm telling you, it is their source of food for the season. I mean, it's yeah. they go out, they hunt, they clean, they cook. They get it made in steaks, burgers, jerky, and that's what they literally eat and live off of. You know, oh, they, I have no, yeah, I have no problem with that at all. Um, in Mississippi, there's overpopulation of deers too, so it's like I'm not. We have it in Ohio too, like real. Yeah, um, I did fishing a lot. I did go fish. I love to fish, um, and I descaled fish, cooked my own fish before. It's a lot of work, yeah. <laughs> um, and if you're wanting to make a fish fry, you better catch a whole lot of fish. Yeah. Um, I'd rather just go and fish and catch and release. That's more fun for me just to kill time. It's kind of relaxing and stuff, but the whole catching and descaling and cleaning and stuff, that was fun when it was a family thing because everybody was together and we were all doing it and it was kind of a bonding thing. But if it's just yeah. me by myself, no. <laughs> and there's a workforce. There's a, there's a <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like we're going to go scale it. You guys clean it. You fry it, you know. Yeah. Yeah, you can you can do an assembly line. No, but mm -hmm. you said earlier overpopulation of um, of deer. Um, yeah, we we live in a pretty very suburban area. It's the mm -hmm. it, uh, Columbus has recently um, become the biggest city in Ohio, yeah. uh, and there's de there are deer that literally walk through neighborhoods. Oh yeah, there's. I mean, I uh, well, Nick, did I send you the pictures? I, I mean, we had deer like 20 feet from our apartment a couple days ago. Yeah. You don't have to, you don't have to be worried about driving down a, a back country road to run into deer or hit a deer. It could happen, you know, on my, like right next to my parents. There's like on a, high street. Yeah. With like yeah, the, the main yeah. drag that runs through town. Yeah. You so. have to, I believe yeah. it. I believe it, man. That's my mom's house. I remember at night, like my brother and I, you go outside. My mom's house is like, if you go outside and turn out all the lights in the house, it is the darkest but brightest <laughs> thing in the entire world because the stars are just yeah, so yeah. they look, they're literally just laying on top of you. It's amazing. Yeah, it's nothing but pine trees. And um, I remember going out in the middle of the night and like, I don't know, going to run to Walmart or something, and you turn your car on and your headlights turn on, and there's just like a sea of deer. They like look up at you and you're just like Oh, hey guys! What's up? <laughs> like you, here in Florida, we don't have that. I mean, you I just disturb something. Well, Disney World though, around Disney area, there is a ton of deer. I've gone just recently in the last couple of months when the parks were open, going to a lot of opening day 
um, events um, and stuff at the park where you have to get there like 3 a.m., 4 a.m., um, driving into the park and stuff. I would see deer everywhere on property. Wow. It's like, I can't, I mean, these guys, I think they've just, you know, not, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, I think they have just learned to adapt to loud noise and overpopulation of people too, yeah. you know, cause they were here first. So I think like now deer are just kind of like, uh, eh, nothing really scares me now unless you physically make a loud noise at them, you know? Yeah. Cause I mean, these guys are sitting there on Lake Buena Vista drive, one of the busiest streets, Holy moly! you know, and they're right next to the, the parks and their hotels and there's people and noise and all kinds of stuff, you know? So we have gators well, that, here. <laughs> well, that, that's what I was thinking, though. Yeah. When you know all the all the animals, the birds, the ibis, uh, the ibises, and the ducks and geese are at the squirrels. All of those animals that are like just omnipresent at mm-hmm. the parks while you're there. Yeah, are they loving this or are they hating it? Because they you don't get know. all that food. Yeah, <laughs> all that food that's dropping during a normal day, they're not getting it right now. Nope. So, <laughs> like, I don't know if they're uh if they're loving it just having the the lay of the land or if they're like i mean i'm sure the cats cats are loving it the disney what were cats you talking about with the box thing of the food you said you you and um um you you were getting a thing in the mail yeah yeah, yeah uh yellow just for dinner no no so it's it's basically uh it's a what do they call it? it's a csa um uh, uh it's like a, a co-op thing um where you basically uh, you pay, I think it's like $25 a box or something like that, or 35. Um, and you'll get this box of uh, a bunch of greens and, you know, it's mostly fruit and vegetables and grains and just things like that. Um, there, there's several around Columbus and I don't, I think Yellowbird is a, is a relatively local one. I think it's called Yellowbird. We have several yeah like co-op places in um central florida like you just drive up and you kind of order it online what you want oh, fruits, okay. veggies you know things like that and they'll just pick it clean it and bring it straight into a little box like a oh, kind of like a brown um box you put like coca-cola yeah in, yeah you know and they just put it right in your car and you're good yeah that's, i mean that's that's pretty much the same yeah so this is just yeah yellowbird food shed and they what's cool about that is they work with um, they work with farms that are at most like 150 miles from Columbus. So it's wow. mostly, mostly Ohio. So maybe a little bit of West Virginia, Indiana, uh, Kentucky, uh, but it's mostly these local small farms. The problem right with now, Orlando is like, we have so many of those resources around us. Like I could eat nothing but like local, um, you know, all kinds of stuff like that all day long. But we also have amazing tourists, yeah um restaurants here stuff that's like it's so hard to say no to um but at the same time like we could eat local every meal here we're blessed with having like breakfast places places that are only open for lunch or lunch and dinner you know um you could definitely eat local here like every day and stay away from the touristy stuff but it's so easy just to go and grab a burger i was in orlando a couple years ago and let me tell you even the touristy stuff was uh was good enough to just keep living off of. It's good stuff, man. That's yeah. for sure. I gained a lot of weight when I first moved there because I was, Mississippi, we didn't have a lot of good beer places. We didn't have a lot of good uh, food places. And then you moved here and it's like, I can drink good beer and eat at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you don't have to choose one or the other. Yep. Well, I mean that that's what it felt like moving down to Columbus from from Canton was like in Canton we had I would go to two bars and they were hole in the wall like really junky bars. Yeah. Uh and and then we come down here and it's like, "Oh, this is wonderful." Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I don't know if you've ever been to Columbus before, Micah, but um, if you ever get a chance, please come up. Uh, and I'd love to, man. Um, yeah. There's, I, I wanna, it's a good, it's a good little city. Yeah, I want to. go. We have an office um, here in a in a hard floor. <laughs> where are you? <laughs> are you guys near the um, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Is that where? So the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is about. It's in. Cle- it's right next to Cleveland, Cleveland which yeah, is. That's- um, which is about two, two hours away. Yeah, two so hours north. It's an afternoon. We're very central. We're literally in the middle of Ohio. So any city you want to get to that's in Ohio, it's. I've been there. Um, two, I was two in a hours band away. years ago, and we played all over Ohio, Akron, and all kind of places in Ohio. Yep. Um, I just remember everything on that tour. It was in the middle of January, and we're <laughs> oh, from Mississippi. Yeah. Perfect time our, for Ohio, dude. <laughs> I remember us, we went to we went to Canada on that tour and it was just like why are we doing this winter tour oh, literally no. where it's going to be winter why wow. don't we go west coast and we just went there and I remember I remember Ohio everything just being gray and cold and snow and I was like yeah, yeah. it looks it, amazing it, it, like, there's so much character like your towns are amazing like I'm yeah. like you could definitely live in a big city but have that small town feel too yeah. That's what I, I will say. Is. Yeah, the, the in the dead of winter, it does get very Soviet at times, just yeah, like that does. gray, gray, and and like, uh, the, just like the 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 dark buildings and. But yeah, it, it there are so many, um, especially in Columbus, uh, because Columbus has grown out so much. You have all the uh, the, the the suburbs around it, but just outside of there, like you have like just farmland and small little towns. Uh, a lot of um, what I mean, I, like, if you're I mean, standing in the center of Belting. Columbus. Yeah. yeah. If you're, if you are, if you are standing in the center of Columbus, 15 miles in any direction will get you to a farmland. Yeah. Uh, that's, I mean, yeah. that it's just, um, we're still Ohio, like we're still Ohio. Like, sure. Well, uh, that's somewhat a problem. Noah's for our corn. Like, uh, so there has to be a lot <laughs> of it. Yeah. Um, that's you know, so, man, with cotton, I could take you cotton fields and just show you it looks like it's snowing like it looked like it just laid a fresh bit of snow for miles and it's just white cotton and um, that's what we're known for um cotton fields and um you know it's it's really cool and then you move here to orlando and you drive around central florida and it's um oranges and orange groves and man those are so awesome i love yeah. seeing orange groves. but yeah we want to come up to ohio i want to go to the um well, do the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I've never done it before. It's and worth also, it. It's, um, it's, 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 good. TV, it's good. Uh, trip. Christmas Story House. Oh, yep. Christmas Story House. Yeah, yeah. That's one okay. thing I've never, I've never gotten to to go see. Dude, uh, I would be there cool. all the time if I was you, ma'am. Yeah, I drove That's by it like a bunch. Movies. So my girlfriend lived in Cleveland for two years. Um, she did Teach for America. Sent her up to Cleveland, mm-hmm. um, and I remember when we were looking for. Uh, um, apartments and duplexes uh one of them that we looked was right around the corner from the christmas story house so we literally just drove past like a bunch to look at that 
Dude, I have in my room right now the Red Rider <laughs> BB gun <laughs> and the case that they had uh, on the movie. Like that, and oh man, that movie is like Christmas time. It's always on. It's, Some people are like, oh, so... man, what about Christmas vacation and stuff? I'm like, yeah, I love it. Yeah. But Christmas story. There's something so comforting about it. And I didn't even discover it. Like I knew it was around, but I didn't discover it until I was an adult. Um, I was Ralphie Parker as a kid. (laughs) I was him. I was a kid. Like I got in all this kind of crazy trouble stuff. And I remember wanting a BB gun. My dad got me one though. He did get me a red rider as a kid. That was pretty awesome. But uh, yeah, I was Ralphie. Um, Just learning stuff the hard way, man. Hey guys, thanks for listening to part one of our talk with Micah from the World of Micah YouTube channel. And stay tuned for part two, which will be coming out next week. Have a great day, stay tasteful, and as always, sorry mom. <laughs>